0: Uh, for our school. So be praying about that what God would have you to give toward that and I believe God's people ought to be willing to give toward God's school as we try to raise our young people uh, Up not only to know and be smart in things of, uh, of those matters, but things of the Lord as well Joshua chapter number one If you're there look down to verse number one and remain seated tonight if you don't mind And we're going to read down through about verse number seven Uh, The Bible says, Now, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all this people, unto the land which I do give to them, even to the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto you, as I said unto Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, even unto the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites and unto the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your coast. There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. I will not fail thee nor forsake thee. Be strong and of a good courage, for unto this people shalt thou divide for an inheritance the land which I swear unto their fathers to give them. Only be thou strong and very courageous that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded thee turn not from it to the right hand or to the left that thou mayest Prosper whithersoever thou goest let's ask the lord to bless his word tonight Father I do thank you tonight once again for the privilege of being here and lord Although our time may be brief or that we have in comparison lord to the time we're out in the world I pray that you take this time Lord, you give us what we need to go back out into the world and be that light, to be that salt that you've called us to be, to be that influence that you desire your church be. And I pray, Lord, you give us tonight what we need from your word, but Lord, help us to be attentive to it. Help us decide tonight that we're going to allow you to do what you desire to do in this service. I pray you change us tonight, every one of us. Help us to leave your change, walking closer to you, and ready to go do your will in a world that desperately needs to see Christ. And I thank you for what you're going to do, for it's in Jesus' name. Amen. I was reading a letter this week, uh, earlier in this week, that was written by George Washington on July the 18th of 1785. Uh, And in this letter that Washington was writing, he expressed his potential and his belief in the great potential that we have here in these United States. He was speaking particularly in this letter about the potential of the westward expansion. Uh, if we continued to move west, that our country was full of all of opportunity and potential. And here's what he called the United States of America at that time. He says he calls it the second land of promise. He said, as we continue to expand and grow and venture further west in this great nation, he said, I believe this is the second land of promise. And that is a term that has been used all throughout our history, over 200 years, to describe this great country that we live in. In spite of our problems, in spite of our faults, we still indeed live, I believe, in the second land of promise. You look at from the earliest explorers to the pilgrims and those that would go on to settle this great country, they all noticed that America possessed something priceless, and that was the fact that we possessed an organic opportunity. And truly, this is the land of promise. America is that land of opportunity. Now, fast forward 235 years later, after that letter was written by George Washington, and now we're not only still the land of promise, but here we are the recipients. And the possessors of many of those promises that have come to fruition... I think about those early settlers and those early pilgrims, they came to establish something and so many of the things we enjoy today, they would never even come close to seeing, but they were willing to come and begin to cultivate this country and to plant the seeds of which we pick the fruit now. And by the way, you ought to be very thankful of the opportunity that we have because of those who've gone before us. Obviously, we mentioned our soldiers a minute ago, but there have been many men and women who've come through the history of our country and helped prepare for the opportunity that we have today to possess many of those promises I think about all of those who came through Ellis Island this afternoon I even took some time to read over the roles of those who would immigrate to this country and come through New York City and their names are written there from all over the country all over the world that they came to our country and they looked at our country as a land of promise They knew that if they came to this place, the United States of America, this country would give them the opportunity to not only dream of the promises that were here, but they knew this land would provide them with the opportunity to possess those promises. Now, look, I'll be honest with you, I'm only 40 years old, and I have worked throughout my life, but so many of the promises that I possess now in my life, uh, the benefits and opportunities that I possess as an American, I really didn't work for. Somebody came before me, and they paved the way, and they plowed the ground, and I enjoy, and you also enjoy, many of the blessings of this great country because of those who came before us. America has provided us this land of opportunity, this land of promise, as George Washington would call it. I looked over the roles that all of those who came from different places to this place to see their promises, now hear me out, become possessions. All right. That's what we're going to speak about for a few minutes tonight, of how we can make our promises become possessions. I think about uh, a Scottish immigrant by the name of Alexander Graham Bale. In 1875, came and founded what we know as AT&T. Here was an immigrant who saw this as a land of promise. He came over here and turned his promises into possessions and obviously went on to become a multimillionaire, a Canadian immigrant by the name of James Kraft. My daughter knows him well because he invented the cheese that she puts on her grilled cheese. She likes Kraft singles. I've come home with the off-brand and the off-brand's just not the same. It doesn't melt. Let me tell you something. I got a problem with the cheese that doesn't melt. There's something bad wrong with that. You know, you put it in the microwave, you turn it on for 45 seconds, and you look at it and you take it out, and it's like a piece of rubber. Something's not quite right about that. But those craft singles my goodness gracious you put a craft single sometimes you even put two of them Brother Bauer taught me how to make grilled cheeses like Sonic does I'm not gonna tell you because I'd have to kill you if I told you because it's such a guarded secret on how to make a Sonic grilled cheese man you put that cheese over in there you get it all hot and it's just all gooey you know that was because I'm an immigrant somebody came from Canada they invented this craft cheese that we enjoy today but time after time after time people immigrated to this country why because it was a land of promise And it wasn't just a place that you could come and dream. It was a place where you could convert your promises into possessions. And all of those immigrants that came here through Ellis Island and other places throughout the world who came to America, they didn't come to be given something, they came to become something. All right, let that sink in just for a second, all right? They didn't come here to be given something. They came here to become something. Why? Because this is the land of promise, and this is the land of opportunity. I read a wonderful story today just about how far you can go in America. Here was the story about a young lady by the name of Eliza. 16-year-old Elijah, uh, Eliza married a 20-year-old tailor. Taylor. That 20-year-old Taylor had never been to school. He would never learned to read or to write. He didn't have much education. And most looked upon him as someone who would never amount to anything. But Eliza believed her husband had what it took to become somebody. So Eliza got behind her husband, and she taught him to read. Oh, behind every good man. There's a better woman, amen? And she just sat there working and working and taught him to read and taught him to write. And before long, he became a senator, and he went on to become our 17th president, Andrew Johnson. Well, you can't do that just anywhere in the world. Look, America, we got our problems. We have our faults. Listen, America, listen, we have parts of our history uh, that I would rather erase, but sure enough, they are there. But I'm thankful that God allowed me to be born in this land of promise, this land of opportunity. Only in America, listen, can you see your promises become possessions. And I'm thankful for that because, oh, look, I am a dreamer. I am a dreamer. You ask my wife. Oh, sometimes I dream, and she probably gets tired of She's in the nursery tonight, so I get to tell the. she's probably tired of me dreaming. Uh, Ever since before we got married, I've carried around an envelope with pictures of house plans. And unfortunately, when I would tear out pictures of magazines and hospital waiting rooms, I hate to say it, but I'm behind the pulpit. I can't lie to you tonight. I'd see something I'd like, and I'd tear it out. And I'd put it in that little folder. And that little folder was our dream folder. We're still dreaming, all right? One day I hope that my my promise will become a possession, but in America it can. And I'm thankful that God has allowed me to be born in this country, even at times, the faults that we have. And that is due in large part to the American soldier. You look look back over the over 200-year history of this country, and the reasons our promises became possessions was because somebody was willing to fight for it. Promises do not convert into possessions automatically or accidentally. If you want a promise to become a possession, you're going to have to work for it. You're going to have to fight for it. And I'm so thankful tonight for the American soldiers and the patriots throughout the history of this great nation who fought to help those promises that the early pilgrims had and the settlers had become possessions that I now hold in my hands. This building, this church, the privilege to come, this is a possession we have. To have a copy of the word of God, what a priceless possession we have. Why? Somebody was willing to fight to secure that for us, and I'm thankful for that. And you ought to be thankful for that, that we have the privileges and the rights and the liberties and the freedoms we do because somebody fought to turn those promises of this great nation into the privileges that we have. I want you to think about that spiritually tonight. I want you to think about that spiritually. Spiritually. Somewhere along the line in this country's history, people decided that they wanted to fight to turn the promises into possessions. Now, how often tonight do we hold a copy of the Word of God that is a record of countless promises of God? Oh, in this book, there's promise after promise after promise after promise in this book. And yet, sadly, here's what's sad. What's sad is often we are more content with knowing the promises And possessing them. We, We love talking about the promises and standing on the promises. But can I ask you, how many promises in this book tonight have you possessed personally? When God makes you a promise, God's giving you his word. And when God promised something to the children of Israel, he was promising them something real. He wasn't just dreaming. He wanted them to possess this. But sooner or later, listen, just as in American history, as in Christian history, sooner or later, you've got to decide, are you just going to be content to dream? All right. Are you just going to be content to dream about what you could be and what you could do, whether it's an occupation or a possession that you'd like to have? Nothing wrong with dreaming. I am a dreamer. Every time I sit on the side of a tree in 32-degree weather, freezing to death, away from my family, dreaming about being back under those warm covers, you know what I'm doing on the side of that tree? I'm dreaming about that big deer that's going to walk out. I can see him. I can picture him. Most of the time he doesn't walk out. Man, I'm sitting there dreaming. Why am I willing to go through all of that? Because I want to see my dreams become a possession. Now, folks, listen, when it comes to the promises of God, we need to decide tonight. Are we just satisfied with the promises, or do we actually want to possess what God says we could possess? As a Christian tonight, I believe too often we're content with just knowing what the promises are and never moving on to possess them. And I believe in Joshua chapter 1, we're going to see tonight in the promises that God made Joshua and the rest of the children of Israel, God shows us three simple steps in how to take a promise and turn it into a possession. How to take a promise and turn it into a possession. And I believe we can take that pattern tonight and apply it to our lives. So let's look at these three things. And I believe tonight, if you as a child of God will just follow the pattern that God's giving them here, we can fulfill and possess what our God has promised to us. Look down, if you will, to verse number 2. <clears throat> The Bible says, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all this people, unto a land which... Now, watch this next word. It's very important. It's the word I, which I do give to them, even to the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have, notice the word again, I, given unto you, as I said unto Moses we be to verse 5. There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life, as I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. I know that's obnoxious, but stick with me. I will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. Be strong and of good courage, for unto this people thou shalt divide for an inheritance the land which I swear unto their fathers to give them. All of those eyes are shaping up in something very important because if you're going to be enthusiastic about pursuing a promise, if you want to see a a, a promise become a possession, the first thing you're going to have to do is consider the source of the promise. Now look, you're not going to be enthusiastic or excited about pursuing a promise if you don't first go back and consider the source of a promise because a promise is only as good as the one who makes it. We notice that here is Moses dying. Joshua's taking over. Can you imagine taking that job? Moses has led these people and led these people. And I am sure there have been days where Joshua sat back and says, oh, I'm glad that's not me. He watched them grumble and grife and complain and murmur. He's like, oh, I pray for Moses. I pray for Moses. He says, I'm just glad I'm not Moses. And then, lo and behold, Joshua became Moses. And God looked into Joshua's heart. And God's looking down and says, yeah, he's, he's scared. He's worried. So what does God do to reassure Joshua? He starts reciting and repeating the promise that he made Moses. And God kept saying, I, 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 I. Why? He wanted him to know that the promise that he had made was just as good as a possession that he could have. Why? Because of the source of the one who made the promise. God says, this is a promise I'm making you. Look, this isn't just pie in the sky, big talk of a salesman with a silver tongue. He says, no, I am almighty God, the one who made the promise to Moses. And I'm telling you like I told him that my promises are just as good as a possession if you're willing to do what I tell you to do in order to get it. I want you to know tonight, when God makes a promise, it's just as good as a possession. If we'll do our part, I promise you God's going to do his part. But here's what somebody said one time. People with good intention make promises. People with good character keep them. People with good intentions make promises, but people with good character keep them. Look, I have had good intentions before and made promises, p- perhaps even to you, some of you here tonight, and maybe I haven't followed through on my promises. But I want you to know God's got good character. And although I have good intentions, God's got great character, and God always honors his promises. And the reason we should be enthusiastic about pursuing the promises. Listen, not just being content, possessing the promise, saying, you know what, I've got the promise. No, you ought don't want to possess what God's promised you. You want to lay your hands on what God says you can have and who God says you can be and what God says you can do. And what ought to motivate you to do that is realizing the source of the one who's promised. Now, think about this. He says, I will give it to you. He said, I said it. I was with Moses, I will be with you, I swear it unto their fathers. God's taking ownership of his promises. Have you ever made promises, not been able to keep them, didn't want to own up to it? Oh my goodness, how many times have I had to reschedule? I know this is a fact, many of you sitting in this room, I've had to reschedule meetings, I've had to cancel meetings, I've forgotten all about meetings. Why? Because sometimes it's hard for me to own up to all the things I've committed to. Sometimes my mouth gets ahead of my schedule and my brain and my wife's good advice. Admit it, we've all been there. Sometimes it's hard for me to own up to all the things I have promised out. That's why my wife is trying and she's been trying for the last 15 years to teach me to say no sometimes. Why? Because everything you say yes to, you got to own up to. God says, I want you to know I'm owning up to my promise and you can trust me. You can be enthusiastic, you can be zealous, and you can have courage. Three times in Joshua chapter 1, God tells Joshua to have courage. Why can you have courage pursuing the promise? Because of the one who promised. You can be enthusiastic and motivated about it. Why? Because God says you can have it. And if God says you can have it, you want to want it bad enough to go get it? Consider the source. God says, I'm going to make sure you have this if you're willing to do what you need to do. And we're going to look at that here in just a few minutes. I believe tonight that our Christian optimism cannot be based on circumstance or self. If you're, listen, Brother Nate mentioned the other night, he is an optimist. I am an optimist as well. The glass is always three quarters full my life. But I want you to know, as a Christian optimist, I'm not optimistic because my circumstances are accommodating. Most of the time, my circumstances are not accommodating. I'm not optimistic because of who I am. Oh, that's depressing. I'm optimistic because of who's promised. And if your optimism and your courage and your strength and your motivation lies in your circumstances or yourself, you're not going to be very much a Christian optimist for very long. But if your optimism and your motivation and your courage is based on the one that's promised, then guess what? You'll never have a reason to quit. Why? Hebrews 10. Let's turn there tonight. I want you to see this. A lot of times we quote verse 25, but I want you to see something in the book of Hebrews often quote hebrews 10 25 and it's a great verse but sometimes you just got to reach up and grab the context right hebrews chapter number 10 reach down if you will look at verse 23 let us hold fast the profession of our faith what does that sound like hold fast that doesn't sound lackadaisical does it that sounds like take a good firm grip Why? Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. Don't back off. Don't quit. Don't slow down. Why? For he is faithful that promised. You see, your grip and your spiritual fortitude is a reflection of the one who's promised. You can hold on to it and you can keep holding on to it. Why? Because faithful is he that promised. Watch verse 24. Watch what it will do for you. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love, and to good works. You ought to be so motivated by the faithfulness of the one who promised that not only are you motivated by it, you're going to motivate other people about it. You see, that motivation just kind of overflows on everybody else. You're so excited about what God's doing in your life and what God's promised to do in our life, that listen, it overflows and you're encouraging others. You're provoking them to good works. What are you provoking them to do? Look at verse 25. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Now watch this. At the end of verse 25, is a promise. What is the promise? There's a day coming when all of this is going to wrap up, and all of this is going to be over. And you ought to be just as enthusiastic about that, realizing faithful is he that promised Listen, you ought to be motivated. You ought to be moving forward to get everybody else on board. Hey, this ain't no time to miss church. This ain't no time to get out of the will of God. This ain't no time to give up on the word of God. Hey, the day's approaching, and faithful is he that promised. He's going to keep his word. Oh, listen, don't bet against him. You'll lose. This book is full of those who tried to bet against him and tried to go against him and prove God wrong No, look you're always mark it down write it down. You will prove God right one way or the other You will You'll prove God right by his blessings and power upon your life Or you're gonna prove it right by seeing what happens when you try it without him But God's gonna be right Let God be true and every man a liar. God's gonna be true Hebrews chapter 11, we read about Abraham. Now listen close to this. I have never pieced this together like I saw this this afternoon. By faith, Abraham, when he was tried, verse 17, offered up Isaac. What God called Abraham to do is, I want you to take thy son, thy only son Isaac, and I want you to sacrifice him upon Mount Moriah. Now listen close. The Bible says, and he that had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said that in Isaac thy seed shall be called. God says, Abraham, I want you to sacrifice your son, your only son, up on this mountain. Now don't tell me there was not a dilemma in the heart of Abraham, not just because he was his son and he loved him, but wait a minute, this is the son of promise. You promised me that this kid was going to be the key to the, To his generations being like the sand of the seashore. Now, wait a minute. How's that going to work? You want me to kill him? How's that going to work? But the Bible goes on to say in Hebrews chapter 11, listen close. Accounting that God was able to raise him up even from the dead. Abraham believed in the promise that God had made about Isaac so much. He believed God's promises so much. He says, I believe if I kill him, God's going to raise him up because he promised that that kid was going to be the heir. That's just how much he believed in the promises of God. He was willing to go to such lengths of obedience. Why? Because he knew faithful were he that promised. Now you think about what little lengths we're willing to go through for God. Here's this guy willing to kill his own son, but he believed in the promises of God enough. He says, I kill him. God's just going to raise him up because God promised Oh my goodness, listen folks, sometimes we can't even get out of bed on Sunday morning and yet all that God's promised us is his children and we don't believe it. You know how you can tell we don't believe it? Because of what we're not willing to sacrifice for him. If we honestly believe, Matthew 6, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added. If we truly believe that, we would do whatever it took to get Christ at the forefront of our life. If we believed it, if we believe that faithful is he that promised, you'd be amazed at all the things you clear out of the way just to be obedient to God. Why? Because you know God's going to come through with his word. And here's Abraham says, okay, I'll take him up here and I'll sacrifice him. By the way, probably wasn't easy. Somebody asked you to sacrifice one of your children. Abraham had affections just like you and I do. He had a flesh body. That was his child and he loved them. And no matter how often they may get on our nerves, I hope we never go that far where we're okay with you know having them taken out yet he was so willing to be obedient. Why? Because he believed in the promises of God. Now think about this tonight. 2020 has has given us so many uncertainties. and There's been a lot of fear in 2020. I get it. Look, I'll be honest. There's been times I have been fearful in 2020. Uh, I mean, tornadoes and viruses and hurricanes and all these things going on in our world. Look, there's reasons to be fearful. There's something I want you to think about. If you're not careful, you will let frightening potential... Worried about what could happen frightening potential will distract you from a faithful promise Don't let frightening potential distract you from a faithful promise So what do you mean frightening potential? Well, as you go out to do the will of God, there's going to be difficulty Joshua, there's going to be difficulty. We're going to look at that here in just a minute And yet the frightening potential that's out there should not distract you from the faithful promise Why? Because he's faithful God's going to be faithful. He says, I promise, I will, I said, I swear. God says, I want you to know my promises are good. This past Sunday, we looked at when the disciples were out on the Sea of Galilee and the storm comes along. They knew he was faithful. What distracted their faithfulness? What distracted Peter's faithfulness when he was walking on water? Frightening potential. Peter starts looking around. Wind's blowing, waves, man, I'm walking on water. How's this happening? Not quite sure. I'm surely going to sink. And he allowed the frightening potential to overwhelm a faithful promise. I want to encourage you something tonight, folks. Listen, we don't just have to be satisfied having the promise, we can possess the promise, but you've got to consider the source. And the source is God himself. Someone said this you can't break the promises of God by leaning on them. Aren't you glad? You can't break the promises of God by leaning on them. Have you ever leaned upon something and it gave way? Usually somebody, now everybody has cell phones, somebody's videoing it. You entered in that contest, but you didn't win because somebody had a cuter dog than your fall was. Folks, and I tell you, you can lean on stuff that will let you down in this life. You can lean on a lot of stuff that's going to let you down. If you lean on the promises of God, they're never going to buckle. First John chapter 2, verse 25, the Bible says, And this is the promise that he that hath promised us even eternal life. Do you know why I sleep good at night? Not because I have a security system or a brand new AR-15 under my bed. Do you know why I sleep good? Because I have eternal life. So how do you know you have eternal life? Because 1 John 2, 25, the Bible says, this is the promise that he have promised us even eternal life. The God of all glory and creation has promised that I have eternal life. Here's, I want something to sink in before I give you the second point. The same God that promised to save you also promised to sustain you. Amen. Just as much as you claim, Romans ten thirteen for whosoever shall call upon the Lord shall be saved. Hey, that's great. Hey, I'm thankful for that. But the same God promised to sustain you. Look, if you're not fearful about your eternity, why are you fearful about your today? The same God that promised to take your soul to eternity in heaven with him is the same God who promised to go with you. And lo, I'm with you all way. Promise from God. And if you can trust him for your eternity, then oh my soul, can we trust him for our today? Look, let's not be fearful. Let's not the, let the potential of what's before us rob us from the security that our God has promised that he's going to walk with us all the way, all the way to glory. Aren't you glad? It's so number one, how do you make a promise become a possession? Well, you we consider the source The promise Second thing, quickly look down at verse 5 He reassures Joshua here There shall not any man be able to stand before thee All the days of thy life I remember years ago I underlined this in my first preaching Bible That it's interesting He says there shall not any man be able to stand before thee What I want you to notice is what he didn't say He didn't say they wouldn't try He did not say that no man will try to stop you. He didn't say that no man would try to resist you. He said, there shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life, as I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. I will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. You see, God is foreshadowing the work that's going to be required to secure the promises. He's telling him, Look, I'm not saying that guys aren't going to try to stop you. I'm saying they won't stop you. So this is the second thing. It may be the most difficult. If we desire a promise to become a possession, number two, you're going to have to work to secure the promise. He wasn't telling Joshua it would be easy. He says, I'm not telling you that you're not going to be resisted. I'm telling you that the resistance will not be able to hold up. Now understand this tonight. If we desire these promises of God to become Uh, the possessions that God says we can have, we're going to have to work. We're going to have to work to secure the promises God's given us. I mean, they do require our participation. It's kind of like that thing, you know, Christmas is around the corner, be buying gifts for our kids, and uh, we'll go buy them something, and then we see those scary, scary words on the side of the box. Some assembly required. Last year, Leslie and I wanted to get Miley. She loves to draw. And uh, we got our art classes, and we bought her this glass top animator's desk with all these shelves and all these things in it for her pencils and her art pencils and all that. She just enjoys drawing, and um, we couldn't find one here in Hattiesburg, so we had to go down to Dieuveryville to get one at Hobby Lobby, and so excited about it. It's just really high tech, looking the top moves up and down. You can see through it; it has lights. It's an amazing little table. We get down to Dieuveryville to get it, or Gulfport, I think it was. And I walked in the Hobby Lobby and I had him hold it for me. I said, hold it, I'm coming all the way down from Hattiesburg, hold it for me. The guy said he would and walked in and I says, hey, where's that animator's desk? You know, I'm here to pick it up. He says, oh yeah, I got it right over here. And he walks me over and he, he points me to a box. It's about six inches tall. It's about 18 inches wide and four feet long. He says, he says it's in there. And I said, no man, ain't No way. The picture I was looking at is in that box He says, oh yeah He said, you got to put it together And so we got it Got it home And the picture was great This picture was beautiful We got home and Miley went to bed And we're putting it together for us This gift from me and Leslie And we're putting it together And open up the box And there's all these pieces And there was a point about five minutes in Where I thought to myself You know, my kid needs to have that appreciation Of knowing she's accomplished something in life she needs some of that good hand-eye coordination. She needs to learn to follow instructions. What a better, better plan it would be to let her put it together. That one day, look, she'd appreciate it if she put it together. And day she passes it down to her children and says I remember that Christmas morning and, and the day after Christmas and the next day after Christmas continuing to put this thing together And, and mama worked real hard for this and you take care of this alright Mama spent three days getting this together Mama didn't get to play with it until she put it all together And my wife didn't go for that uh, I tried to sell it as some type of a moral victory for parents But my wife didn't seem to go with it And even though I loved the picture And man, she's going to love that. There was some work involved in it. God's telling Joshua, he says, Joshua, you're going to love it in the end. You're going to love it, but I want you to understand there's going to be some people who try to stop you, that in order for you to take the promise and convert it over into a possession, you're going to have to work for it just a little bit. But AJ quoted the verse a minute ago. I couldn't help but smile because I had it in my notes tonight, Galatians 6, 9. The Bible tells us that we will reap if we faint not. Man, I'm excited about reaping, aren't you? I look forward to reaping the good stuff. I don't look forward to reaping the bad stuff because we reap what we sow, don't we? I always reap more than we sow. I look forward to reaping the good stuff. The Bible says that we're going to reap. We're going to reap. We're going to reap. Amen. man, you're working. You're passing out tracts Saturday morning, 1030. Don't forget. All right? Saturday morning, 1030. And you're passing out tracts, passing out tracts, and you're planting, 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 planting. Amen. you just look forward to reaping. But wait a minute. That reaping comes at the end. What does the Bible say? We'll reap if we faint not. Wait a minute. The reaping sounded really good. But you mean I've got to persevere and not faint? Yep. That's how it has to happen. You see, there's some work involved. If we want to reap, we've got to persevere. Look, used to the statistic was 13 to 17 doors you had to knock on before you had one person who was ready to receive Christ. Thirteen to seventeen doors before you found someone who was ready to accept Christ and trust Christ as their Savior. What is that? Perseverance? You're going to reap, but you can't think. you got to put in the work. I fear tonight God's people, all of us, me included tonight, we've gotten just a little bit lazy. We want the outcome, but we're not willing to work for it. And God's telling Joshua, there's going to be people stand against you, but keep going. They can't stop you. Listen, when are we going to get it through our spiritual minds tonight? Satan can't stop us. He can't stop us without our help. I used to teach my kids on Wednesday night class. I said, think about the devil as having no arms. And he's trying to get through a door. And he can't get through that door unless you open it for him. And how often does he come in and destroy our life, our potential, and our homes, and our churches, and our country? Why? Because we open the door for him. He can't stop us without our help. And the reason we don't have the possession that God promised is because we haven't been willing to go through the work to secure it. You're going to have to work to secure it. Isaiah 41, the Bible says that we can mount up with wings as eagles. That sounds fun, doesn't it? I hope we get to fly when we get to heaven. Some of you are too mature to admit it, but you hope we can too. I hope we get to fly. Really do? I, we're not going to become angels, all right? That's, that's not scripture, all right? But, you know, I hope we just get to fly for a few minutes. Just, just let me fly for a few. I have flown in my dreams. Man, it's fun. I hope I get, some of you are smiling a lot, you know what I'm talking about, but you're too grown up to amen. That's all right. I feel sorry for you. All right? The Bible says that there's wings to be had. Mount off with wings as eagles. What did the Bible say? They that wait upon the Lord. The wings come after the wait. And the wait, listen, for the child of God tonight, that's the work you're going to have to be willing to persevere to secure what God says we can have. He didn't say stuff's so. not going to try to stop you. It's going to try to stop you. 2020 has tried to stop us. But you've got to be willing tonight to put in the word to secure the promises of God. I'll give you another one, Proverbs 22, 6. Oh, how we covet when they are old, not departing from us. And we want that. We have a picture in our mind of who our children should be. All of us do, or who we'd like them to be. You know, we would like them to be smart. We'd like them to serve God. We'd like them to be kind, generous, compassionate, all those things. And we had that picture just like that artist's desk that I had a picture of. Man, that's going to be good. That's going to be good. And then we realized there's some work to get it to look like that. Proverbs 22.6 says when they're old, they won't depart from it. But what does the beginning say? Train up a child. Well, that's the tough part. You mean i got to train them? Yeah, they don't come right out of the box. Matter of fact, they come wrong out of the box. And you got to make them right out of the box. I mean, you got to work on them and work on them and work on them. There's some training that goes into there, but oh, what a blessing it is. When they're old, they don't depart from it. But you've got to be willing to put in the work to secure the promise. The only way the promise becomes a possession is that you're willing to work to secure it. See, I want the promise bad enough that I'm willing to do whatever it takes and keep pushing through those who try to stop us. Several years ago, I'll tell you a funny story. I was duck cutting with a friend who got this dog. It was a beautiful dog, had a great attitude. It was going to be his duck dog. And this duck dog had a great pedigree. Its mom and dads were champion whatevers or, or well known whatevers. And they had a great bloodline and all this. And he got the puppy, and uh, he didn't take the puppy to a trainer. He says, You know what? They got it in them. He's just going to have it natural. So we went out duck hunting one morning. It was just still a puppy. And here comes some ducks. Boom, 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 boom. We shoot. Duck falls in the water. He says, Roscoe. Old Roscoe took off. I'm like, look at this. He just had it in him. And then Roscoe comes back carrying our shotgun shell casing. Now that would be handy if we were reloading. You know, that'd be great. The dog goes and gets them. And he's like, no, the duck. And Ross goes out the water, brings back another shotgun casing. Now, here's this dog with a champion pedigree. Here's this dog whose mom and dads were great duck dogs. But see, even though he had it in him, he still needed to be trained to bring it out. All right? Same with our children. Look, I'm sure our children have some good traits in them, but they're not going to be that possession that God would love to use in his hands if we don't put that training in on the beginning. Now, folks, tonight, that's the same with any promise of God. God makes good promises, consider the source, but be willing to work to secure that promise. The preamble of the Constitution says this, we the people of the United States, to form a more perfect union, Establish justice, ensure domestic tranquility, provide for the common defense, promote the general welfare, and listen close, and secure the blessings of liberty. Notice the words, secure the blessings of liberty. They have to be secured. They have to do the whole constitution. Why was it written? Why do we have those guidelines? Why do we have that structure? It's trying to secure the blessings of liberty. It's not going to happen by accident. Look all over the world. How much liberty is there all over the world? Very little. Do you know why? Because unfortunately, those generations didn't have what we had. Some people that were willing to secure the blessings of liberty. The potential was there. The potential in America has been here. But thank God somebody worked to secure the promises for us. I'm going to hurry. I think about Central Baptist Church tonight. I have told you many times growing up as a kid, I always looked to Central Baptist Church as... Uh, just that city on the hill That lighthouse Oh it influenced my life i used to sit back there by brother, where Brother Green was at I'd sit right back there in youth rallies up here and Watch some great men of God come in and preach And all this Oh Central Baptist Church throughout our history The possession that we have now Do you know why we have it? Somebody in our past worked to secure it Somebody fought to secure it This didn't happen by accident Now here's what I wonder I wonder what our children are going to enjoy Because we work to secure I wonder what our children are going to enjoy One day they look back And they remember those who came before them And those who paved the way And those who took the promises of what central could be And now hand them the possession of what central is Why? Because they worked They didn't let stuff get in their way And stop them I told someone this week that ideas without actions Are just dreams Ideas without actions Are just dreams I like dreaming. But you know the Bible says in the book of Proverbs chapter 14, verse 23, that in all labor there's profit. If you want a profit, you've got to be willing to labor. If you want the promises of God, be willing to put in the work to secure those promises. And finally, number three, look up to verse seven, I'll give you the last thing. If you want to take a promise and turn it into a possession, you've got to be willing to consider the source of the promise, work to secure the promise. Verse 7 he says only be thou strong and very courageous that Thou mayest observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded thee Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left That thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest and The last thing is one of the greatest efforts you're going to have to do And have to make in order to take a promise and convert it over into possession And it's the work to maintain your mission God tells him what he needs to do. God says, here's what I'll do. Here's what I need you to do. In verse 7, he says, I want to finish it up with one thing. Only be thou strong and very courageous. Why? He says, turn not from it to the right hand or to the left. See, oftentimes the reason we fail to possess the promise is because we start good, but we don't finish. I don't know if you've noticed this about yourself, Um. But if you're anything like me as a human being, we drift very easily, off course. We start good. New Year's resolutions coming around the corner. Mine is not going to be lose weight because I'm already doing it. I'm ahead of New Year's. The Lord's probably going to come back before then, all right? So I wouldn't have worked to wait around until then anyway. We're going to make those resolutions. And we're going to start off real good. It'll last probably what a week, 10 days? Maybe two weeks, if we're lucky. See, we have trouble maintaining. Here's what we do. We drift to the right hand, and we drift to the left. The third step in possessing a promise is you're going to have to fight to sustain a promise. Fight to sustain the promise. God's warning Joshua in verse 7. It's amazing that God's given him a command in verse 7, but he's also warning him of potential. Look, if God tells you not to do something, and God tells me not to do something, do you know what it means? There's a potential for us to do that. He says, turn not to the right or to the left. He's telling them, Joshua, be careful not to drift. You decide, you know what? I found me a promise in here, and I want to take this promise, and I'm going to work on this promise until that promise becomes a possession. God says, amen. I'm with you all the way. And all of a sudden, here you go down your spiritual road, and you're barreling down the road, and next thing you know, you look awful to the left. and Well, there's something shiny over there. Next thing you know, you turn to the left hand. Two things on my heart tonight that will get you off track. They both start with the letter A. The first is the ditch on the left side of the road of allure. Something's going to try to allure you to drift to the left, and on the right hand, it's adversity. If there's two things that I have watched derail Christians in their pursuit to possess the promises of God, if there's two things that I have seen derail Christians, the first one is something that allures them off the road. It tempts them to get off the road. What happened to David? What happened to Eve? It was something that allured them, something that drew them off the path, and they turned to the left hand. Or on the other side of the road, it's adversity. If the devil cannot tempt you off the road, he's going to try to ram you off the road with adversity. And I think all of us tonight, our spiritual cars have got some dents in them in 2020. Got a lot of dents in them. Man, here we are, barreling down the road, trying to do the will of God. Here comes the devil in his big monster truck. You ever watch the a know? You know, nobody ever died on the 18. I don't know if you know that. Just fast-fact there. Those cars are flipping and blowing up, you know. And you see arms and legs going everywhere. But they always get out of the car, and they're okay. You know, here comes the bad guy. He pulls up beside you. I've always wanted to do that. I, ha- I have. I've always wanted to do that. Not to any of you, you know, maybe just a you know, computer animated car or something. But here comes the devil. Pfft, what is he using? Adversity. He's trying to get you to turn to the right hand. That right ditch is adversity. That left ditch is allurement. And the devil's going to try to draw you off the road or ram you off the road. But if you can just keep it in the middle, keep it between the ditches, isn't that not what God is telling him in verse number 7? Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left. I was reading Proverbs just this past week in my Bible study time. The Bible talks about that strange woman. Beware of strange women. Amen? I know a lot of them. Beware of them. And it says she calls out. She sits up at her window and she watches the foolish young man, the simple man, walk by. And she calls. She says, hey, why don't you turn in? She's trying to allure him. If that doesn't work, then the devil starts playing hardball. He's going to try to beat your spiritual brains out to keep you from staying on track. Why? Because the devil doesn't want you to possess the promise. I'll be honest with you. If there's somebody, anybody in this world, that you ought to like to make miserable, it's the devil. All right? I hope I'm not on that list. I hope the devil's at the top of your list of people you like to make miserable. Here he comes, you're going down the road, you're driving toward the promise, you're going to possess it. You're not just going to be a Christian who's a dreamer. You're going to be a Christian who possesses what God says you can have, who God says you can be, and you're going to do what God says you can do. And you're going down the road, and all of a sudden, over here on the side of the road, something shiny tries to allure you. Keep it between the ditches. You're going to have to fight to sustain Promise, You're not going to get there. It's my wife. My wife and I learned years ago. I'll give you this and we're done. My wife and I, we love going on vacation, take some time off, spend some time together as family. And uh, we used to drive everywhere we went uh, because we had more time. And uh, we would always travel at night. Do you know why we travel at night? Number one, the baby slept. What a blessing when the baby sleeps. The second thing, the reason we drove at night is because All the tourist attractions are closed. And dad's a sucker for a tourist trap. You know? World's largest ball of yarn. World record peanut. You know? Largest collection of belly button lint. I don't know, you know. And (laughs) we travel in the daytime. Keep stopping. You keep stopping, you keep stopping, you keep pulling over, you keep exiting. We're never going to get there. So we travel at night, that way, you know what? They're closed, I don't get to stop. And we finally get where we're going. Now folks, I wanna tell you, the devil's gonna give you a lot of detours in your pursuit to possess God's promise. There's a lot of them. Things that are going to allure you away and things that are gonna try to drive you away. But if you'll keep it between those ditches and you'll keep your eye focused on, I wanna possess that. And not only, watch this, possess it for you, but possess it for your children. Somebody before us fought to secure this country, and I look, am a beneficiary of somebody else's work. I'm thankful for that. Here's the question on this Veterans Day, we're honoring those who fought to give us what we have. I'm so thankful that this land of promise is not just a dream, it's a possession. We look back and we see all these soldiers who are willing to fight to take that promise and make it a possession of ours. Now, our children need to look back and see some spiritual soldiers that say, you know what? My mom and dad, Sunday school teacher, a faithful church member, they took the promises of this book and they fought. And man, they had to keep it between the roads. The difficult year called 2020. The devil tried to draw us off. The devil tried to ram us off. But they just kept the road, kept it on the road, kept it on the road. And now here, in a few years, our children will possess the promises of God rather than just possess the idea of what could be because of the decisions that we make here tonight. I believe we live in a land of promise. But whatever happens to America is beside the point because whether America stands or America falls, we have a book that's full of them. And you don't just have to dream about them. You can possess them if you're willing. Number one, look, what do you need to motivate you? Consider the source of a promise. Work to secure the promise. You're going to have to fight, work, 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 work. Put in the work to secure it, and then fight to sustain it. you got to keep a good thing going, amen? Let's bow our heads tonight, close our eyes, just for a few minutes. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. I don't know what the future of our land of promise is, but I can tell you and guarantee what the future is of this book of promise that I have. These are promises they are just as good as checks that are written by Almighty God. They're signed with his name. He says, I will, I said, I promise. He says, look, I'll, I'll back it up. The question is tonight, are you willing to be motivated by the fact that God said it? If God says you can have it, God says you can be it, God says you can do it, you ought to decide tonight, okay, I want to possess that, not just dream about it. Why don't you decide if God says you can be the mom or the dad or the son or the daughter, God says you could be that if you want it. Would you be willing tonight to make up your mind, I'm going to put in the work? The devil can't stop me, nothing can stand against me God promised it to me I'm going to put in the work to secure the promises as a personal possession Not only for me, but to pass to my children I'm going to put in the work tonight And then when you decide, you go ahead and make up your mind before you leave for tonight I'm going to fight to sustain it No matter what, we're going to keep it between the ditches I'm not going to be lured off to the left Or through adversity be rammed off to the right I'm going to keep the course, why? Why? Because I want to possess the promises of God Heavenly Father I thank you tonight Lord for your word and what you encouraged the heart of Joshua with How he must have been looking forward And Father he probably had some hesitations And concerns and yet you reassured him That faithful is he that promised And if he was willing to put in the work You didn't tell him Father there would be no resistance You just told him the resistance could not stop him Help us to see tonight That you're faithful, you've promised And although there's resistance That can't stop us and Lord, if we'll keep it between the ditches, we'll get to where you have called us and become who you've prepared for us to be. Bless our church tonight. I pray we respond to this invitation time and be on our way to possessing what you said we could have for us in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand tonight. Hedge up! To